0: Hello and welcome to Impact the Borough, a podcast from the Greensboro Chamber of Commerce. I'm Brent Christensen, the President and CEO of the Chamber. Each week we'll highlight what we're doing to start and grow businesses, create quality jobs and develop our workforce. We'll also check in with our community partners to share inspiring stories and important information from across our community. This podcast is brought to you by TrueLiant Federal Credit Union. A modern, mission-driven financial institution focused on the needs of its members, the businesses it serves, and our community. With five locations in Guilford County, including a dedicated commercial lending office at Friendly Center, and a highly rated mobile banking app, Truliant makes it their business to help you grow yours. Visit truliant.org for more information.
1: Thank you, Brent. Um, Hi, everyone. I'm Tracy Myers, the Chamber's Executive Vice President of Member Engagement, and today we're going to be talking about financial literacy, including the latest efforts to educate students so they can become smart consumers, business owners, and employees in the future. And as some of you may know, I do have a background in the financial industry. Um, So when I was in college at UNCG, um, I started my very first financial industry position as a part-time teller at Lion Federal Credit Union. And so I spent 10 years at Lion. And one of the things that I got to do that I really enjoyed probably the most was financial literacy and financial education. And so I got the privilege of putting on some webinars and some seminars around the topic. So I am very excited today about our podcast. So here to help me delve into the important topic is one of the companies that we know supports personal finance the best and that's Truliant Federal Credit Union. So I'm very excited to welcome Renee Shipko Rohrer, the Community Engagement Manager for Truliant. So Renee, tell our audience a little bit about yourself.
2: Thank you, Tracy. Um, yes. so.
1: Uh, I have been
2: at TrueLiant for about seven years. Um, Before that, I have a background in fundraising and um, marketing in the nonprofit world. And I, too, went to UNCG and um, completed a master's degree at Appalachian. So um, my personal story with financial education is that um, my family was a middle-class family when I was growing up. Until my dad, um, actually, he had, he lost all of our money in a, with a gambling addiction that we didn't realize he had. So overnight, my family became um, poor, really. I mean, we were very much struggling. um, And a lot of the things that I have seen play out in my family's uh, life, my mother and, and so forth. are are tips that everyone can benefit from, right? Things about always having emergency savings and, you know, the importance of um, understanding credit and how it can impact you negatively and positively moving forward in your life. So I am very passionate about financial education, always have been um, because of my personal interest in it, and so happy to be here today.
1: Thank you, Renee, and I I love your story. I think that resonates in so many ways. There are a lot of individuals um, that do financial literacy or you know engage in financial education and that background comes from those experiences and I know we'll dig deep into the preparation of students um, so that they have that personal finance knowledge so that they can move forward in life. My story is very similar um, in that middle-class family, mother was a small business owner, father worked in a, um, in a mill in Eden, and he was diagnosed with an illness and had to suddenly come out of work, and we didn't have that background, we didn't have that education, and so that was something when I was in college that drew me to TrueLiant was, I want to learn this, I want to know how to do this for myself, and then that definitely led into teaching that and and sharing that with students. Um, So I know we'll dive dive deep into that topic today. And to help us do that, um, we have our second guest, Jonathan Permar, the Director of Social Studies for Guilford County Schools. Welcome, Jonathan.
3: Hi, Tracy, it's so exciting to be here and I'm happy to be a part of this conversation. Um, like you said, I'm the social studies director with Guilford County Schools. Um, I have been in education in some way, shape or form for about 15 years now um, with a little bit of time overseas but most of it in Guilford County Schools. Um, I think that's pretty cool because I'm actually a product of Guilford County Schools as well. Um, So I grew up here. I got an undergrad in history at Elon, um, was very lucky to have that experience. And so I'm very much local uh, to the community of of Greensboro and the triad so um, I'm I just love being able to be a part of the school system still so my background is not necessarily in financial education right Um, I was a history major and I went on to become a social studies teacher um, through an education program at Elon and uh, in in that we do a little bit with with you know civics and economics in a sense in terms of our studies um, but it was really really limited and and so over time it's really just taken on on my end a lot of self-study a lot of reading um, a lot of interest in prep I think a lot of it comes from similar stories as y'all growing up with um, humble backgrounds and and just really wanting to um, learn more and be better prepared moving forward for myself um, that that drove my interest in financial education, so much so that I actually went to grad school at NC State and earned an MBA um, so that I better understood the larger economic market and how that plays out um, in our community, but then also, obviously, it's something that we teach in our school system. Um, so again, that's just a, a little bit about me and kind of how I'm I'm, in a weird way, maybe connected to financial education now.
1: Yes, and Jonathan, you and I sit on the board together um, for Junior Achievement of the Triad, which is definitely um, another way that we engage in that financial education and financial literacy space um, along with Christopher Murray uh, from Truliant Federal Credit Union. So the three of us, um, the three organizations do work together very closely around this topic. And so what I would love to hear about um, is more about how Guilford County Schools and Truliant are working together on financial literacy.
2: Yeah, so, um, you know, Truliant and, and Guilford County Schools have been partners for a while um, in the space of uh, career and technical education. Um, Only recently did we begin working more on the social studies side with Jonathan. And one of the areas that we are um, working through with uh, Guilford County Schools right now is the training of the teachers, the social studies teachers, who uh, Jonathan um, so, so eloquently shared earlier with me that Um, You know, if you're a history teacher you you've probably gone to school and majored in history Um, and financial education might not be your background to his point that he shared earlier so. We are looking at a proposal to support the teachers that will be teaching the class, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, and and how we can provide support to Jonathan and his team as they're going through the transition of bringing those teachers up to speed um, and so that they feel comfortable with the information that they will be sharing.
1: Excellent. Jonathan, can you talk a little bit about why start with students and why social studies? Why that connection?
3: So I think it's, it's, it's a little twofold. There's a a logistical aspect and then there's a content aspect. And so I'll hit on this logistical aspect first. Um, the current personal finance course, it's currently, um, not necessarily relegated to social studies, right? It's currently a CTE course, career and technical education. And for anyone who is familiar with these pathways, career and technical education is elective courses. And so that logistically means that not every student would have access to that information because they don't necessarily take that class however, every student does take a social studies course. And probably everybody remembers at some point they took a civics and economics course. It might have been called civics and economics. It might have been called ELPSA or economic, legal, and political systems in action or some other variation thereof. Um, And and so in social studies, we've we've always hit on it because I, I think all of us can recognize the interdependence of economics and government and community and, and those types of organizations and systems, um, but it's never been a focal point. And so this is the opportunity to, to tease this out in social studies as a focal point because economics is a part of, of what we look at. Um, and so that's the that, that kind of moves us into that content piece of why social studies, it's, an, it's a natural fit, um, it, it, it really, goes into main themes and strands that we look at when we're doing larger social studies analysis, right? We have to look at economics and how it rolls, but you can't look at economics without looking at both micro and micro systems and personal finance. It, it all plays hand in hand. So there's that. Now why why kids? You you ask that. And I think that's that right there is is a great question. You know, I think um, realistically speaking, when I was 18 years old and leaving high school, like I knew nothing about money, <laughs> right? And I think that's a true story about so many people. Um, you know it exists, you know that you get it by doing things, that that being work, right? Um, but really understanding how the systems of, of finance and economics operate to truly improve your own life outcomes is a mystery for a lot of 18-year-olds when they leave high school. Um, and, and let's be honest, it's a mystery for a lot of adults. I feel like I wasn't uncovering parts of that mystery until I was like 30. Um, and, and so I think with, with our kids, it's, it's great to start there because the earlier they understand this information, the better. And realistically, we talk about kids, but they're 17 and 18 years old, right? They are young adults. They have part-time jobs. They're thinking about college or going into a, a skill school. They are wanting to go into the workforce and earn money and buy things and you know, plan for their future. And you can't really do that without firmer understandings of personal finance and economics.
1: Right, I definitely agree. Um, I can can definitely relate to conversations uh, with students over time. I know I've met students um, who, once they reach that age of 18, um, the parents in the household sometimes were asking them to apply for credit and, and using their credit scores and and their credit information. And so the students didn't really understand that. We also had, um, I remember at one point sitting with college students um, who were seniors and and talking about financial education and talking about um, as they were getting ready to enter college and and what they were going to need to do around credit. And I remember um, a young lady raising her hand and saying, okay, I'm just going to be honest. People keep talking to us about our credit. What is that? what, what is a credit score? Um, I'm I'm willing to raise my hand and say, I don't know what that is, but people keep talking about it. Um, And that just really highlighted that fact. I know as a parent of a, of a student who's going to be entering ninth grade at Guilford County Schools, I'm so excited about this option and about the personal finance courses and her being able to get some of that foundation that, you know, I know I didn't have, Um, when I entered into college as well. Renee, can you share some of the stats and share some um, of that data behind financial education?
2: Yeah, uh, absolutely, Tracy. Last year in 2020, before the pandemic, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling had put together a study where one in four, uh, that found that one in four adults don't pay their bills on time. Um, And that is a current that was a snapshot uh, in February of last year, before we got into um, the life that we know now. Additionally, uh, the same study found that 62% of uh, adults in our country carry credit card debt um, over 12 months. So, you know, people that are not paying off their credit card every month that are carrying that debt we know that that leads to additional debt and sometimes um you know financial stress which we'll talk about later in the um, program but uh, the additional research from groups like uh, the national endowment for financial education and CFPB have found that uh, the states that have added high school personal finance education um, are seeing uh, changes really in their adult, in their adult perspectives. And the way that it looks is that these high school students, once they become adults, they are um, having higher credit scores. They have lower um, defaults on loans. Uh, they have lower student debt because they understand how debt and credit work together. Um, they're paying off their student loans uh, at a more rapid pace and more effectively than students who haven't had the financial ed component. component. And, uh, you know, what we like to hear is that um, these students are not falling into the traps of payday lending and those types of programs which we know can really hurt uh, credit and hurt people's financial standing moving forward so um, you know the data is there to support uh, that when students go through financial education at the high school level that it does produce adults that know more about their finances that can better manage their finances and that are in a better position because they've just to your point tracy they they've had the basics they know what the word credit means they know um what uh credit can do to their potential uh, borrowing in the future and so um you know one one thing that i always also like to point out is that in study after study after study that i've read parents Say that they're far more comfortable talking about the birds and the bees or about drugs or about not smoking than they are finances. And if you think about that, if you really sit down and think about it, I mean, unless you've had some sort of financial um, challenge to your family as a child, your parents didn't really ever sit you down and say okay we're going to talk about how much money I make you know this month and how much money you might have understood your financial position by your family saying no we can't afford to buy that for you this month or something like that but it's very rare I mean just in talking with people that you find uh, any child that says well my parents sat me down and had a formal discussion about credit you know um so this is just uh one of those things that you know if we can get the students to get educated and receive that receive that information in school that it will set them on on the right path moving forward and it benefits all of us when we can do that thank
1: you renee um so in 2019 the north carolina general assembly finally passed a law and i say finally because that's one we've been waiting on for a long time in the industry uh, mandating that every student complete a personal finance course before graduating. So, Jonathan, how will that be incorporated into Guilford County Schools?
3: So, you, one, you are spot on correct with the finally, right? I think all of us have just been waiting for it to to come to fruition and it, it did finally do so. So, it's exciting. Um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, it's personal finance has typically been a CTE class. And so now that's getting to move over into social studies. And so it is being integrated into our kind of scope of coursework that students take their their educational pathway. Um, and on, on our end, in terms of district office, we're developing these things. Um, what's been kind of neat about this legislation that I like to point out is that it's essentially split our civics and economics course into two courses and so a lot of times um, teachers students and parents often feel like there's not enough time in either in that course to really give enough attention to either section and so this really gives us a distinct course for civics and government and a distinct course for economics and personal finance and what's great about this distinct course for economics and personal finance is that it gives us the opportunity to fully support the development of students who understand economic decisions, how to use money wisely, um, understand education and career choices and how that will impact their life outcomes and really ultimately how to just be responsible financial um, citizens and community members. And so this ability to focus on this is going to be really exciting for students, teachers, and families. Now in Guilford County, and really it's the intention of the legislature, we are uh, putting this towards the end of a student's high school career. So your ninth grader will be getting this as part of their graduation requirements. So any student who is inter- who entered ninth grade this year in the 2020-21 school year and after is required to have this new economics and personal finance course for graduation. Um, and so, really, on our end, we are eagerly awaiting additional support documents from the state. We're figuring out best ways to connect with the North Carolina Council on Economic Education and other partners like Junior Achievement and TrueLyant, um, and and how can we start building that teacher capacity so that they fully understand the content before we begin rolling it out in schools for students. Um, But our families will start seeing this offered at their high schools, um, literally within a year or two, um, depending on what school they attend.
1: Excellent. It's very exciting um, to see this come about. Renee, um, talk a little bit about why this work is meaningful to TrueLiant. I know we get an email at least once a month, um, we get a whole newsletter that tells us about um, the efforts out in the community um, around financial education, the resources that are available. So talk a little bit about uh, why that is so meaningful.
2: Yes, so the reason why this is meaningful work for TrueLiant is um, really, you know, at the heart of what we're doing, our mission is to improve the lives of our member owners. And one way that we um, deliver on that mission is by um, improving their financial position. We are, uh, you know, we do have quite a number of members uh, that belong to TrueLiant who are low, lower income or low income. And so, one goal that we have is to try to move those people forward in their life so that they better understand their financial position and they understand how they can move up. Um, And whether that's teaching them about their own credit reports, which we do in our branches and reviewing that with them and explaining ways and opportunities that we see where they can improve upon their credit score, for example, or um, paying off a credit card so that they don't, they aren't carrying that debt. You know, that's one way that we deliver on the financial education um, part of our mission Another way is, of course, through community affairs and what we're doing out in the community, delivering courses, um, financial workshops um, to nonprofits uh, and the clients with whom they serve or the partners that they serve. Um, and then yet a third way that we deliver financial education is um through our business partner program, the True Lion at Work program. And that is a program where um, TrueLiant works with um, about 900 companies across our entire footprint um, and their employees uh, to better explain financial education, things like identity theft or how to uh, prepare for buying a home, those types of workshops. Um, Financial education is important in the high school level, in particular to us, because we know that if these students can become educated or even learn the basics about financial education, they are likely to become. Better, uh, better um, at managing their finances, and even you know we know that they that that means that they might have more savings. that are more likely to save as a household when they've had some sort of education uh, around personal finance. So these are things that benefit us, of course, as a financial industry provider, um, but it also benefits the whole community to have you know high school students and, and young adults that understand what their impact could be on the community, on the economy as a whole, but also in their, in their own pockets and, and with their families. So that's why it's so important to us to be involved in not only what Guilford County Schools is doing, but other area school systems as well, because this is a statewide uh, effort, of course.
1: Excellent, Renee, and, you know, I'm always impressed. I feel like TrueLine does such a good job of working all across um, different age groups and different demographics Um, with financial education that's so important because we do have high school students are going to be getting this information. I know you guys work with middle school students. Um, The earlier you get in that pipeline, I think the better, um, even from just a kid's account and explaining, well, this is money you save, this is money you can spend. um, This is money that needs to go away for charity. So uh, just always impressed with how you guys go to the youngest age you possibly can, um, but continue to educate your members at whatever stage of life that they're in. so let's talk a little bit about why financial literacy and education is important to the business community. So as business owners are listening to um, the podcast today, what can they do and what can industry leaders do to help and to support these efforts?
2: Yeah, great point, uh, Tracy. And. I am glad that we have opportunity to talk about how financial education, uh, you know, works uh, with a business owner, because one one thing that has come up probably in the last decade or so is, um, you know, studies that are tying um, uh, product productivity and absenteeism to stress and specifically financial stress that employees may be under. And we've seen more and more companies sort of gravitate towards um, not only offering health benefits, right, to their staff, but offering financial wellness benefits. And that could be in the form of bringing in, you know, a group like TrueLiant to to teach financial education or partnering with, you um, other groups in town, like uh, consumer credit counseling over at Financial pa- at uh, Family Services, um, or Financial Pathways over in Winston Salem, and um, bringing groups in to educate their employees. So, what the research shows is that um, 30% of Gen X workers, which is you know by far our largest group of workers right now, say that their finances distract them at work. And a majority find it stressful to deal with their finances. Um, and recently, the American Psych- Psychological Association, um, they they tend to have this report every year called Stress in America. It's where they're looking, you know, taking a snapshot of what the major stress points are for employees. Um, and for the top past eight years, I think it is, um, the, the top three stressors on Americans have been the same, right? It's been finances, work, and um, their, and how those two work together in their life. And so when you look at that, it, you know, it's like upwards of 71% of people are reporting that, that, that finances and money and work are their top um, stressors and how why that's important right like we talk a lot about stress and yeah I think each of us is under some sort of stress right now during what the pandemic and everything we've been through but um, how did do, why does that matter right well it matters because it translates directly into um, healthcare care costs right so so we also know from the research that individuals that are stressed are, are paying more for health, they're incurring more health care costs, upwards of $500 more than an individual who reports lower stress, um, lower stress in their life. What we know is that, you know, all this work is being done by psychologists and uh, economic uh, folks and leaders in our industries. is that um, when we invest and we provide education and financial education for both high schoolers or adults and high schoolers that are going to be entering our workforce or are already in our workforce, that we can reduce those stress levels, which in turn will make employees more productive, it will make them um, pay more attention at work, and it will also reduce their stress levels to a point where they're not having to seek additional help related issues, you know, they don't have high blood pressure, they don't have some of these other things that are associated with stress. So it all ties together in a way that I'm not sure that we really were paying attention to until the maybe the past decade or so. And now it is what people are looking at employers are looking at gosh how can we reduce these health care costs and how can we better support our employees well this is one easy way that you can do that by just providing some education around um, topics that we know our employees are stressed by is how to manage their finances
1: right renee we just completed um, gathering a neighborhood small business needs assessment and we've reached out we've done some focus groups, um, particularly with the restaurant industry. And one of the things that I was um, encouraged to hear them talk about was when asked what they needed um, to support their small business, there was a resounding response for, we're concerned about our team members. And one of the things they need is financial education. And we want to give them those resources Um, especially in a time of financial crisis, um, but also as they rebuild coming out of that, um, to have that financial background and that financial education. So I know um, this is something in the industry that's been talked about for years and years that this is so important um, and it impacts so many workers in the business community, but to hear that acknowledgement. and that desire from an employer standpoint to provide that um, for their team members I thought was um, very encouraging and and you know exciting to hear that that team member came first and this is what we can do um, to support them. Um, Jonathan as this course gets rolled out obviously there are challenges Um, you know it in my head it sounds simple sometimes to say oh well every student will just need to get personal finance before they graduate. I know it is much, much more complicated than that, um, but is there anything that the business community or industry leaders can be doing to support the school system as you guys embark on this?
3: You know, absolutely. I think, um, you know, Renee really just did a great job of talking about ultimately the importance of the educational component, right? And and that's really the center of this. If we can educate people and in our instance, in, in the school system, our students, we're looking at better life outcomes for them in general, right? Um, and it is, it's a pretty daunting task and I'm grateful that you you know how big it could be uh, behind the scenes, it's a ton to roll out. We've got, you know, probably 50 or 60 teachers to train a ton of support documents that we are waiting on and then more that we need to create. Um, and, and realistically speaking, it requires rethinking how we approach economics and personal finance in our curriculum across the board. Um, for for anyone who's not familiar with this, there are economic and personal finance uh, standards in every grade band for social studies K-12. But, but now we kind of have this culminating um, course experience for students. And so it's requiring us to think about how do we, you know, trace that line throughout our curriculum now. And so, um, you know, ultimately, and in, in terms of where, you know, business owners and industry leaders and community members can kind of lend a hand, can, can help, it, a lot of it is going to, at first, you know, start with this idea of helping us develop teacher capacity. Um, we would love to collaborate with more people on, on developing teacher capacity. Um, you know I'll, I'll be the first person to say in my undergraduate experience again my teacher education program i took one econ class right and that that's not necessarily enough to be prepared to teach this course um, and now that was a while ago so education programs may have changed a little bit but lots of our folks are history people not economics people um and so so that is a little bit of work that we need to do and and there's a lot that, that's that's Centered in this, there are five, the five main kind of strands in this course are economics, income and education and kind of their relationship, money and credit management, financial planning, and consumerism, right? Uh, so I am pretty sure anyone listening to this podcast right now can connect what they do in their workplace to one of those five areas. So there's ample space um, for support when it comes to Talking to teachers and developing their capacity, but but you know once the course is off the ground and students are taking it, there might be opportunities to get FaceTime with students and and really draw that connection between like hey those people like those people at the bank like these are the people who do this they are telling you more about this they are providing that information and here's all the reasons why it's important. Um, we know that students can learn a lot from their teachers, but sometimes hearing it from another adult who's in the thick of it um, can really make it come alive for students. And so I think there'll be opportunities there too, moving, moving on the road.
1: Thank you, Jonathan. And we will continue on the chamber side to share those opportunities as they come available um, as things get rolled out. Um, Thank you both um, for being here today, for talking to us about such an important topic. Um, Always enjoyable to talk with both of you. Um, Renee, could you share um, information on how folks can learn more about what TrueLiant has to offer Um, from an education standpoint? uh, We would love to have those resources to be able to share. So can you say just a little bit about how folks can find out more?
2: yeah to find out more about what true doing and financial education across our community you certainly can visit our website which is trueliant.org and there is a community section Um, and within that community section there are um, information about not only financial education but some of the other programs that we Um, are doing in our community. So that's a real good resource to start. Um, You can always reach out to me um, or reach any of us in the community affairs team at uh, the email community at TrueLiant letters F-C-U, like federalcreditunion.org. And we're happy to share uh, information about any of the workshops that we're preparing or to uh, talk more about our support of the local school systems and the triad and of course, in the Charlotte area and what we're doing to support teachers going through this, um, this new course.
1: Thank you. Thank you again and have a great day.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Lion Federal Credit Union, a modern mission-driven financial institution focused on the needs of its members, the businesses it serves and our community. With five locations in Guilford County, including a dedicated commercial lending office at Friendly Center and a highly rated mobile banking app, Truliant makes it their business to help you grow yours. Visit truliant.org for more information. You can find all of our episodes on YouTube thanks to our video sponsor, North State. Make sure to subscribe so you'll get new episodes delivered to your device each week. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at GSO Chamber. See you next time we